Getting your day started connecting faith to life. Back to Austin Hill in the morning. It's now nine minutes past the hour. From the Faith Radio Network, I'm Austin Hill. Honored to be with you weekday mornings. Bill English, publisher of BibleAndBusiness.com in studio with us as we talk about wages. This will be, I'm just just putting it out there. Uh, just uh, This is another one of those church wake-up moments, I guess. Uh, this will be a hot topic in our country and in our culture uh, over the next uh, several months, really through the November 2016 presidential election, uh, because people are struggling. And the knee-jerk response is to typically say, well, make those businesses pay more. Bill English, where do you begin a dialogue as far as uh, how a business or a worker, either one, determines what a wage will be? So uh, as a as a Christian business owner, I always start with my theology as opposed to my economics. And so mm-hmm. I go to the Bible and I say, what does the Bible have to say about setting wages? And what I have found is that the Bible has very little to say about the actual setting of wages other than wages that are set by the employer and then accepted by the employee are to be honored by both parties. And so there is, in, in, in a very real sense, a negotiation that goes on between the employer and the employee. They uh, set the wage, and then they move forward with the work and the projects and whatever it is they've got to do. In that one um, uh, parable that, that talks about uh, some people getting paid the same for 12 hours of work and six hours of work and two hours of work, uh, the setting of wages is really connected to the generosity of the um, uh, of the employer in that case of of God, and so um, it, it it just seems to me that negotiate, negotiating the wages is really what the scriptures expect, and then after they are negotiated and accepted, then uh, both parties need to honor it. And that would seem to point us in the direction of uh, an economic system where workers are free to negotiate, free to go out to various employers or businesses and say, how much will you pay me? Let me see if I can go get a better deal somewhere else. I mean, that, that one follows the other, it would seem to me. Well, the one thing that you have control over, if, there's, if nothing else, is your labor, right? And so you should be able to market your labor at the highest rate possible to whichever employer is willing to pay for that. And so uh, it just seems to me that if you want a higher wage, then you have to increase the value that you're offering to the employers so that they're willing to compensate more. You you have to bring more value in the door if you want a higher wage. Mm -hmm. Bill English, publisher of BibleAndBusiness.com. He is uh, in studio with us here on the Austin Hill in the Morning program as we talk about wages. Uh, Los Angeles, California, yesterday became the second large West Coast American city to uh, <clears throat> mandates $15 an hour as a minimum wage to be paid uh, to any worker as a bare minimum. Um, so, okay, so workers need to be free to negotiate. Sure. And uh, once a wage is set, uh, the worker and the, the business owner need to be faithful to keep their commitments. What exactly does that mean for a worker who's not working under an employment contract? Uh, they are an at-will employee, as we would say in a mar- modern American legal parlance, and they can quit and go get something better at any given time. Is there anything disloyal about that in your view? No, nothing disloyal about that at all. They can quit and go get work somewhere else. The employer can fire them or let them go for any reason. It is The negotiation does not result in an expectation of continued employment. It just says, for as long as you're working here, uh, this is what you're going to get paid, and, and both parties honor that. So... Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, well, 
And as you are talking about this, I'm thinking, okay, well, how how do we determine the value of any given worker uh, in a business? The scriptures inform our understanding of these kinds of things, but it doesn't spell out every last detail. And I know that uh, you begin with your theology, but you're also an experienced business person. I doubt uh, when you had a lot of people in your employee, I, I'm doubting that everybody got paid the same. There are some who would say, well, we should all just make the same and that would be fair. But some workers brought a greater level of value to the company than others. Tell us about value. So uh, the value is placed by what the market will generally pay. So when we opened up a new position, one of the things that we looked at was how much is this person going to cost us? And that was how we talked about it. Uh, you know, what, what are they going to cost us? And so we would often go out and look at what other businesses were paying for similar types of, of work being performed, and that would help inform our thinking. Uh, I remember one time we, we put out for a, a lower-level position at a particular rate and didn't get any bites. Mm-hmm. And so what happened is we had to raise the rate in order to get people to be interested, and that was the market at work. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I didn't like it. Maybe I didn't want to pay 20 bucks an hour for this. I didn't have a choice. This is where the market was at, and so I had to figure out how to do that. Yeah, very interesting. What are some of the, in your estimation, Bill English, some of the, I guess, the greatest mistakes made by people who want to do the right thing? Perhaps they want to uh, weigh into the debate over wages in our country, and they want to uh, do right by uh, the worker, let's say, uh, but they don't really take into consideration all of the various factors here. What what goes awry at times, in your estimation? Well, what goes awry, at least in one aspect, is that we have uh, an ethos growing in our evangelical circles that says employers should pay livable wages, and that's really more, in my estimation, more of a political point than it is a theological point. Um, because the, all of us, whether we're employers or employees, we should be trusting God for the provision in our lives, not necessarily our employers. Um, should everybody get paid a living wage? Well, if if you're trying to support a family of four, let's say, uh, should uh, and, and, and the fact that all you do is sweep floors at night, should that cost an employer the equivalent of a wage that would allow you to support your family? I don't think so. Uh, it just seems to me that, that uh, if you're going to get paid a wage that would support a family, that you need to add a value commensurate with that. I think that concept is starting to be lost within the evangelical circles. It certainly seems to me uh, that it is lost indeed. And uh, my goodness, I... <laughs> I I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon here, but I worked minimum wage. I did this when I was a teenager. I remember very well living in a very economically beleaguered region of central California back in the the early 80s recession. And uh, I I would embarrass myself if I told you what minimum wage was back then uh, because I'd be dating myself. See, you're already laughing. It starts with a three. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. But but I remember working as a, a teenager, a high school. Cooler yeah. in the fast food industry. And I was surrounded by adults in their 20s and 30s, and some of them well into their 40s, who maybe they you know, were a, a regional supervisor for a burger restaurant chain or whatever. And they may have done very well for themselves, but that minimum wage job, that entry level, poorly paying, dirty, hardworking job that I did taught me something. And I developed a resolve in my soul. I said, I, I will go to college. I will start a business. I will do whatever it takes. I don't want to be doing this work when I'm their age. And it, it really motivated me. And oh, yeah. that, that the sense of bad 
poorly paying work being a motivator to improve oneself. That seems to be gone in our culture. It, it might be. I shoveled rock all summer between uh, my uh, freshman and sophomore year in college. Three months of every day, eight hours a day, hand shoveling rock and from one place to another. And that was a motivator to me to realize that I better do something with my life or this is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, it's it's uh, those those entry-level jobs. Now, think about what happens when the government distorts the compensation and takes away entry-level jobs for people. Think about what would have happened to you if the employer could not have hired you because they couldn't afford to pay you $15 an hour. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, something to think about. Let's do that when we come back. Quick break. Uh, more with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. We're talking about wages and uh, thoughtful Christians weighing in on the debate over the wages that a job pays here in our country. 18 minutes past the hour from the Faith Radio Network. minutes past the hour from the Faith Radio Network. I'm Austin Hill here weekday mornings and Bill English, publisher of BibleAndBusiness.com. He's in studio with us as we talk about wages in America. And there's no doubt that we're not creating enough jobs, enough good paying jobs in our economy. That's a separate issue. But uh, oftentimes people's knee jerk response to a lack of good paying jobs is to say, well, pass a law and force businesses to pay more. To your point, Bill English, as you were saying a few moments ago, that um, when government intervenes and says, well, we'll just double the minimum wage or whatever the, the, the figure is. Here's some news from Seattle, Washington, as a result in reaction to their $15 an hour minimum wage law. Uh, Forbes magazine reports a rising trend in restaurant closures. The shutdowns, I'm reading here verbatim, the shutdowns have idled dozens of low-wage workers. The very people, advocates of the new minimum wage law said, would be helped by this. Instead of delivering the promised living wage, there's the term you use, Bill, uh, economic realities created by this new law have dropped the hourly wage for many of these workers to zero. It, It was intended to help. Politicians had the best of intentions and ended up hurting. What's what's the lesson in that, would you say, Bill English? Well, the lesson is employers only have so much money for compensation. When you look at their budgets and their structures, they have a, they have a budget line item called payroll, and that's all they've got. And so if, I, if I'm paying five people at $9 an hour and I'm paying $45 in wages and the government comes along and says, well, now you've got to pay $15 an hour, guess what? Three of them get 15 two of them get fired. So there's mm-hmm. two losers and there's three winners. And somehow the government calls that success. I don't get that at all, and that's something that I wish every politician um, could understand. In fact, I wish every politician had to run a business before they were elected. I wish that was a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. But that's just what, Bill. What's that? That's just me. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. What would you recommend as the publisher of BibleAndBusiness.com? What do you recommend to pastors and perhaps lay church leaders as well? 
um, Bible teachers, volunteers, church elders, what have you. What do you recommend to church leaders in terms of engaging in this discussion, have a, having a biblically informed, morally informed view of these things as this issue of wages becomes a really, really hot topic in our country right now? What, what do you suggest? You know, economics is, a, is an area of study that most pastors and most churches avoid because they see it as a political topic rather than a biblical topic. Money and economics is one of the most often discussed topics in the scriptures, and for the evangelical community community to be ignorant on what the Bible has to say about economics just shows the height of how of, of, of our illiteracy when it comes to the scriptures. So you need to be reading uh, really good resources. You need to be studying the Bible. I would suggest they read your book, The, um, the Moral Case for a Free Market, The Virtues of Capitalism. Uh, the book that you wrote, and there are other books like that out there uh, that are um, very good uh, in in terms of teaching economics from a biblical perspective. This should be part of our discipleship. Disciples of Jesus Christ should have a mm-hmm. solid economic uh, theory that is based in the scriptures. I, I appreciate the uh, the mention of my book. There is, uh, by the way, I think it's uh, it's been a while since I looked at my book. I think it's chapter two. There's an entire chapter uh, that my co-author and I wrote in the virtues of capitalism. It's entitled simply "The Bible on Economics." And and you are correct. These scriptures, both Old and New Testament, make reference to money and business and transacting far more than it makes reference to sex. Yes, far more than it makes reference to a whole lot of other things. And or yet, marriage. Or family. Or marriage. Uh, Bible, uh, business and money and enterprise and commerce are referenced far more in the scriptures than these other things that are uh, oftentimes top of mind for the evangelical Christian community. But uh, economics, well, you know, that's, that's not my forte. I don't really care. But yet we also see pastors uh, at times showing up and protesting and demonstrating with disgruntled workers out in front of fast food restaurants saying double the minimum wage with, with real, really no economic consideration whatsoever. Final question for you. It sure. strikes me that it's kind of a, I think it's a false dichotomy, uh, but there is this juxtaposition that is made all the time in our country. We want to juxtapose the worker with the business owner. These mean-spirited, terrible business owners, they have all this money, and they're being Scrooges and uh, scarcely paying their wages, uh, paying wages at all. Uh, We juxtapose there's workers and there's business owners. It's kind of presupposed that a business owner is not themselves a worker. And, and, and I vehemently disagree with that. Being a business owner is incredibly hard work. Comment on that if you would. It is very hard work, and it is wrong to assume that all business owners are these ogres and oppressive people who make money off of the backs of the people that they employ by screwing them in their wages in other ways. Certainly there is sin to be found in the business owner community, but there is also to be sin to be found in the employee community. Uh, the church should stand outside of both and call both to righteousness and call both to following God's laws when it comes to either employing people or being an employee. Let's not assume a negativity uh, for either group when you're standing on one side of the fence or the other. Very interesting. Bill English, publisher of BibleAndBusiness.com. I hope you'll get over to his website and check out some of the wisdom that he has uh, put up on the website, things that he has written on this issue of wages. It's a hot topic. Please make a mental note of this. It will be a big deal in our country. 
uh, right on through pretty much the end of 2016, through the end of next year. It's not going away. Let's get informed. Bill, love what you do. Thank you very much for uh, spending time with us this morning. Great to see you. Great to see you. Take care, man. I look forward to uh, talking again soon. 27 past the hour from the Faith Radio Network. I'm Austin Hill. Breakpoint on the way in moments. I'm not a question.